Alrighty, and we are back, back for another episode with uh, Marty and myself. Marty, how you doing, dude? Yeah, fantastic. I managed to just poke myself in the eye with Ouch. a bit of paper, uh, so I've got a bit of a sore eye, but no paper cuts, so I'm feeling pretty good, my man. How about you? How are you going? Yeah, good dude, good dude. Was that paper for your upcoming book, That's essentially, amazing. The Profitable Builder? Why, yes. Yes, it was. Uh, coming down the home stretch, 19 years in the making, uh, The Profitable Builder, step-by-step -step playbook pumped to get it out there and um, we're going to make it available to all our members pre-advanced copies and uh, yeah looking it's got a lot of great tools to help in there pricing project management how to keep your projects profitable how to build a great resilient team how to leverage yourself up out of the day-to-day -day. and there's tools and resources in each chapter there's case studies there's wins from members and really pumped to share it with the wider community bro it's great like I've got this draft of it, and it's not as big as that. I'm just a bad reader, so I've printed this on, like, you know, size 12, uh, 25 font and double-spaced and stuff. But I'm looking forward to it. People are going to love it. It's kind of like I like that to being in the eye of the storm. You know, last 20-odd years, been in the eye of the storm of all these businesses, being able to see behind the curtain of what's working, what's not working. You see thousands and thousands, and you see, like, the three or four, four or five things that work phenomenally well tried and true tested proven and the hundreds of things that could work but are usually a bit of more shiny object and it's like you know no stick to these principles stick to what works and this is what's discussed in the book and you just like unpack it all it's fucking dope absolutely thanks man i appreciate that it's yeah it's the 80 20 and you got to apply the Pareto principle to everything you do not everything you do is valuable the difference in how we each achieve in our lives comes down to what we do with our time and you're a great example of that today that i'd want to dig into owen chambers your background high performance and understanding representing new zealand at sport being a high achiever at both school sport leading into multi endurance uh from swimming to running to coast to coast to all sorts of i guess if you can find a difficult way to challenge you, then challenge yourself, then you're up for it. And then what you've learned growing a team, when we started, there was only three of us nine years ago, and now we've got a team of 26 people, and you were running the team. So I think a lot of lessons under the hood of what is high performance, what lessons you've learned, and how members can apply that to growing their companies. So I'd love to hear from you, my man. Yeah, dude. Take it away. Give us a little bit of your background, and then we'll we'll dig into it, unpack the lessons that are applicable to high performance and to growing a uh, successful company. Yeah, beauty. So I think the uh, best place to start is start with uh, all my sports background. So right from a very young age, like when I was like six, my dad used to get me out of bed and take me along to the swimming pool, and I was swimming laps from very young age. So I've been like relatively competitive when it comes to swimming and ocean-based, water-based sports from uh, day dot almost. And uh, that has led into water polo, ultra swims, uh, surf lifesaving, and uh, competitive swimming throughout high school and university and things like that. So I've been really fortunate to have some great opportunities. I've represented New Zealand at water polo, played all over the world, you know, Hungary, Italy, and other uh, different countries in, the, in Scotland, Commonwealth Cup and things like that. Scored an international hat trick that I'm very proud about. And, I did not uh, know that. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. And, yes, yes. And then surf lifesaving as well. Uh, surf lifesaving is an incredibly valuable experience that I think everybody should do at least one or two seasons of. You learn 
problem solving under pressure stuff dealing with difficult situations changing environments all that sort of stuff you know body recoveries all the way through to you know making decisions quickly when people are in in trouble and then more recently i've gone into multi-sport i did the coast to coast in new zealand which is a multi-sport race from the west coast to the east coast uh, i've done ultra swims in montenegro around the Kotor peninsula uh, which have been successful at as well and that was really cool you swim through ocean sea caves and into old submarine soviet submarine hangars and uh, around castles so my background is very much sports-based high performance based in team and individual sports sort of thing so that's where my a lot of my experiences come from and how have you applied that like what is it that drives you to want to challenge yourself and be the best you that you can be why do you seek out these environments and situations that most people step back from and they they stay in their comfort zone whereas you actively seek getting outside your comfort zone yeah that's a good question not one that i'm sure i know exactly myself but what i do know is that uh i really like finding limits and uh having life that's progressive not so uh you know circular so i don't enjoy doing the same thing year upon year i seek out progress and progress to me is like pushing your limits and finding new experiences and doing stuff better than you did it before and in all the sports and all the experiences that I've had, I've been surrounded by really epic humans that I've taken a lot from. So, you know, like one of the best formative experiences that I had early on was a surf lifesaving end of year prize giving. And we had a guest speaker there and his name was Michael Buck, Bucky, who's actually gone on and is now a husband with uh, Lisa Carrington, famous uh, kayaker for New Zealand. And he had this great story where for a couple of years in a row, he wasn't hitting his potential. And then he decided to up his training from six days to seven days. And then he finally made the team and then, but he didn't win any medals. So he went back to the drawing board. He upped his training again from seven days to twice a day. And then he finally made the team and he won a couple of medals, uh, but it wasn't the color that he wanted. So then he upped his training again. And then finally he won the medals and got the, uh, the accolades that he was after and achieved that personal performance level that he was seeking. And I remember that being a super formative experience for me at the time, because at the time, uh, high performance and uh, you know being the best you that you can be is kind of sometimes looked down upon. It's like, oh, you know, there's that tall poppy syndrome, right? Especially in New Zealand and Australia. People are like, you know, oh, do a participation, have fun. I'm like, fuck that. I want to be the best I can be. Like, I'm putting a lot into this. I want to get a lot out of it. And uh, Michael and Bucky kind of like showed me that it was possible. He said, you work hard, you're going to get results. But working hard totally broke my reality of what hard work looked like. What I thought was hard work was, you know, training daily. And he was here telling me that what it took to be the best was training multiple times a day, surrounding yourself with absolute weapons and having a real crack at it and going all out. So he took what my level 10 was and he whacked it right up to a 15. And that was super formative for me in the early days of like, uh, lessons that you can take from sports and apply them to other parts of life, whether that's business, you know, family, relationships and other things like that. Like whatever you think level 10 is, is probably just your experience and your reality of that. And it's likely not what a level 10 actually is. Absolutely. And I think that you raise a lot of good points there that I'd like to unpack. So one of those is um, 
work harder on smarter things and the level. So I think Zane Beckett from Deloitte, from uh, ZB Homes, who won the Deloitte Fast 50 in 2017, fast growing company in New Zealand, and the first time in 17 years that a construction company won it. And he grew from zero to 65 mil very quickly in a three-year period. So what do you understand to that to mean and how do you apply work harder on smarter things? How do you decide what those smarter things are? How do you know what harder is? Is it just more hours, more reps or? No, no. I mean, I'm quite a logical guy. One of my favorite subjects at school was, uh, was physics. And uh, physics is normally always broken down into an equation. So I like to sort of, you know, problem solve typically through an equation of like, what levers do I get to pull and push that impacts my output? You know, so when it's working harder on smarter things, it's normally working out what can I apply more focus and attention to that's going to get me a bigger leverage point or a bigger output on it. So for example, you know, like in building, which is everybody that we work with, it's you can do a million dollars in revenue by doing one million dollar project or by doing ten hundred thousand dollar jobs right so it's working out really clearly what outcome you're after what uh, things you want to do and then what levers you've got available to pull and push so in my experiences like from sport background as well i can be in the pool seven days a week but if my strength is out then I'm going to get diminishing returns. I might need to drop that to six days a week, but then do two or three gym sessions as well. Uh, and then when I'm in the gym, it's not just to look good, it's to actually work on specific muscle groups that are going to help me with my catch and my pull. So, you know, it's being real specific and deliberate with what you're doing. Like um, it used to piss me off. We'd go to trainings and stuff and you'd train for the sake of training versus being really deliberate with your actions and training really specifically for something. Yeah, that's one of the probably the biggest lessons I've taken from my history of sport is like you must be deliberate in your training. Otherwise, you're just going through the motions. Absolutely. And in business, numbers get uh, the language of business and they tell us what's working and what's not. So when we look at the scorecard every month of the company, you should also you should be able to see what areas are red, they're not winning, they're not in KPI, and what areas are green, they're going well. So margin, average dollar sale, conversion rate, number of leads, productivity on site. And then net profit, gross revenue, and gross margin. And the second part of that is everyone in the company, project manager, QS, needs a scorecard. And they need to know one number, are you winning, yes or no? So is this, for the QS, is it getting within 5% of your labor hours? Are you winning? Yes, I am. That's 3%. So success is not so much the outcome. Success, I see, is how well did you prepare to win? Did you prepare to the best of your ability? Because the outcome is outside of your control. And if you can separate that by being in the right environment, doing the right things, then eventually it will become inevitable that you will win. And most people don't have business problems. They have personal problems like lack of consistency, lack of focus, lack of effort, staying inside their comfort zone that lead them to repeat the same sort of problems whether not getting on top of their numbers, not systemizing their business not having those tough conversations, not focusing on their gross margin. And yeah, I guess, what would you say to that? So I've been at the professional builder for, I mean, it's a rounding error at this point, like coming up nine, 10 years, almost a decade, which is pretty awesome. And that's how long we've been the professional builder. Like when I started, it was you, me and the office manager. And then the office manager left and then I was the office manager for a bit. <laughs> and then I've been the marketing coordinator. I've done the accounts. We've done sales and marketing and uh, grown a team. 
to five to 10 to 15 to 20 to 25 and now it's you know 26 plus me you know sort of thing and uh it's crazy right but like most people are going to grow up against boundaries and, and limits around like either you know for our members at least normally around like projects profits themselves or people right they struggle struggle to attract the right people right classic one i can't hire hire find good guys and the second one is, oh no, I can't charge for my quotes or I can't do charge for prelim budgets. Nobody here in my town does. It's so annoying. I remember vividly, I had this conversation with one of our members and or past member at this point, and they were like, oh, I can't do that, dude. It's a ten percent town. So so like, what do you mean it's a ten percent town? You know, like, and that fundamentally was the limit that the business had and himself had grown up against because he had that limiting belief, like. 11%, are you kidding me? Couldn't possibly charge that, it's 10% down, right? That's a limiting belief that he held, but it's also a limiting for the business because there's just not enough profit to invest into people, into process, into anything. You might as well just go, for the risk and liability that he was absorbing, building all these you know, million dollar plus projects for people, he was basically not just the builder, he was the financer because he was doing it at 10%. His cash flow was horrible. And he couldn't grow and, you know, couldn't even, and by grow, I don't mean grow a bigger business. I mean, like grow a bigger life, like actually have some spending money, actually have some time for his family, actually have a business rather than a busy job. And it was, you know, kind of one of those things where you realize that most people are going to grow up against a constraint uh, and a limit. And you got to really get real around what your limits are, whether it's, you know, yourself, your profitability of the business, like your economic model, your projects that you're doing or the people that you're you're working with. I think that's been one of the biggest lessons around growing our team and our business is like, what limit are we growing up against? And time and again, we've been really good. And I think you're great at this as well, is around like finding the right people and enrolling them into the right vision of like, we're able to attract great people. Like our management team is awesome. I've said this to you a bunch of times, wouldn't replace them with anybody, you know? And then the work that we do, sometimes we grow up against those limits and we've got to like re-engineer how we get our members great results and we've gone through a few iterations over the last 10 years right like we've done person events we meet with them on site we've done one-on-one coaching we've done group coaching and we've struck a really nice balance now being able to get members awesome results in a really reasonable time period regardless of whether they're struggling with an economic problem like their pricing and their numbers sales and marketing problem like their projects that they're doing or a team and systems problem, like finding, retaining, and hiring good carpenters, employee contractors, sub-trades, project managers, and stuff. So I think that's like a really important one that's been a big lesson for me and a big lesson that a lot of our members go through as well. Absolutely. The thing I pick up on there, I think there's three aspects that help in any environment. Environment is everything. If you're around five broke-ass mofos, you, there's a good chance you're going to become the six. If you're around five PS4 playing, weed-smoking, People sitting, smoking weed, getting fat on the couch, eating chips, there's a good chance you'll be the six. Our athletics club and TPB, there's quite a few of us doing 75 hard at the moment. So big thing for any program, anyone who wants to get better, there's three key aspects to it. Number one is community. So change the environment you're in. If you want to be a better swimmer, go and join a swim squad that swims at 5 a.m. that has a world-class coach that uses best technique that's going to correct what you want and then the conversations that you're going to have out of the pool are going to be around diet nutrition form and what are they doing to get better 
So community really helps shatter any limiting beliefs like the community that you've just experienced going to LA in the coaching program that we're in with guys with 50, 100, 200 million dollar coaching businesses help show what's possible. The second thing is one-on-one coaching or coaching to help shine a light on any potholes and show, hey, here's how this can be done. Like Leon from Melbourne signed seven prelim budgets, three and a half K very quickly. And the last one is accountability. Do you have someone that's holding you accountable like a personal trainer to make sure you're following your diet, you're doing the right things and in business, you're executing the right strategies, you're showing up for calls, you're submitting your numbers each month so we know what aspect to help you on. So what would you say to around community coaching and accountability? Which of those three do you feel is most important or, or how do they work in tandem? In my experience, they're important from the perspective and if you don't, it's like a three-legged stool. Like you got to have all three. Otherwise, you're not going to really like hit the right level of stuff. Like my experiences from water polo have been really formative in that uh, I've played overseas. I've played in some phenomenal teams where I've easily been the worst. And I've played in some teams where I'm towards the top of the pack. And I would say that it's always in the teams where I have played up an age group or I've played off the bench or I haven't been one of the best in the team that I've always put in my best performances because you're being dragged up to perform well and hit the standards that are of the people around you, right? Whether that's up an age group or whether that's up a skill level, you know, like I remember playing overseas and uh, the amount of time that you get on the ball goes from whatever it was to whatever it is now. And you've got to be quicker. The amount of time that you have to react to a turnover is you'll be burnt if you're not on on top of it straight away. So 100% of the community you surround yourself with, they need to be absolute savages, weapons, people that are going to lift you up and drag you along for the ride rather than just relying on your motivations to pick yourself up and to get to the top. And then secondly on that, there's got to be like the coaches, right? I remember vividly going off, (laughs) probably not one of my finer moments, coming for a quarter time uh, team talk so in water polo is four quarters you come in and it's a semi-final or a relatively important game and uh, i'm meant to be the the guy that's scoring a bunch of goals and we're down by one or something and the coach goes owen score more goals and i remember just being like <laughs> put it at the back of the net throw it to the tall guy yeah like bro what do you actually think i'm trying to do like i'm trying to score goals like I'm, I'm trying. I'm not out here trying to fuck up. I'm just not very good today. Like, I'm trying to score goals. Can you coach me or teach me, tell me how to score those goals a bit better? I remember being so frustrated at the time. It was just like, what do you think I'm trying to do? I'm not trying to stuff up. So having a good coach that cannot just paint by numbers or just go like, you know, score more goals, but go like, okay, so what you need to do is typically the keeper is really weak on the bounce. So you're going to be aiming over the elbows on a bounce shot or up over the head because he's coming up and he's ducking, right? Or top corners or, hey, you're going to be getting a good breakaway on the wing and we'll get it to you early. So you start leaving early because we need to get some, catch some goals up here. Some good coaching goes a long way versus telling us to score more goals. So 100% a three-legged stool and not just anyone in particular being uh, the the be-all and end-all. Yeah, absolutely. And structure is so important. Like you don't rise... To the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. So we want to set up systems that make winning 
and success inevitable by doing the right things. So what does your week look like? What does your day look like? What do you do to make sure that you're set up for winning and how do you decide what should be on your plate, what you're getting off? Yeah, 100%. So I think this one's like a muscle, planning your week, planning your time, controlling your time and energy. It's never going to be perfect and you're probably going to go two, three weeks of really good stuff and then one or half a week of bad stuff. And it's the skill and discipline to recognize that you've got the wobbles and you need to jump back onto whatever recalibrates you. So I think this one's 100% like a muscle and I subscribe to a lot of the stuff that other people have taught me. So like Dan Martel, Taiki Moore, you know, watching Richard Branson live his <laughs> huge life. And they call it like the preloaded year and uh, I've adapted it, made it my own and stuff. And I, I call it the 100 day holiday. And um, the idea is that you really want to sort of like live your life by design rather than by default. So a couple of the core takeaways would be plan your weeks from the inside out. Make sure that you block out personal time and uh, time that you know helps to recharge your batteries. So for me, that's working out, hanging out with mates and um, getting a early run in sort of thing. And then making sure that you plan the year in advance so that you're not just kind of going, oh, it's my wife's holiday now. I meant to be hanging out with her, but I've just booked, you know, like a bunch of member work and other things over the top of it, right? So it's getting real clear on the year in advance and making sure that you've already got preloaded your family holidays, your sports events, your, you know, everything else around that so that you can actually fit everything in and manage your energy and manage your flow. And that's been huge, huge for me as we've grown our team, as our members have uh, gone ex exponential and all of that absolutely schedule that the breaks and book them in if it's in your calendar you get, your calendar is god if it's in your calendar then it's going to happen and i even put things in there like uh, helping the boys with the homework at half past five when i come home and they've got home from school date nights with kelly my wife um there's a great saying uh if you want to show someone predict their cash flow get them to show you their calendar so structure's huge. And also being a um, elite athlete, what you put in your body, what you feed it, the diet. And I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about the diet. That's what is you, what are you putting in your mind? So what, what do you listen to? Where do you seek out info? What do you get on podcasts, trainings? Where do you go? What should you go to? D, all of the above. So, you know, I like to have my mornings really blocked out for the team because uh, being in a point of leverage my my leverage is the ability to communicate and help the team out as best as possible because you know like Naval says you know you got four points of leverage right people process uh, money and media right so you know people is your team ability to hire them processes like systems software processes ways of doing stuff money I mean, we all know the form of leverage, which is money, which is, you know, mortgage and stuff. And then media, you know, this podcast could in theory be seen by hundreds of people if they so choose to learn more about us rather than having this conversation a hundred times. And where I sit in our business, my biggest point of leverage is in the people. So my mornings are always really clearly around helping them. And then in my afternoons, I try and do as much deep work, uh, which sometimes it looks like learning as well. And uh, for me, learning looks like Audible, looks like podcasts, it looks like music, it looks like feeding myself good food and looks like feeding myself, you know, good exercise as well. So 
my lunches are try you're the same right you know how groggy you can get in the afternoon if you have like a high carby greasy greasy lunch you feel like shit nightmare so like i'm trying to eat as lean as possible at lunchtime i'm trying to do some deep work in a new environment and then i'm trying to like listen to or read something in particular so like for me the uh, the biggest best books that i've listened to over the last week while probably like profit zone uh, and we'll link these all down below road less stupid by keith j cunningham endurance which is the story of ernest shackleton going to antarctica like absolutely wild i heard that got that one on a recommendation from somebody else and uh that makes you realize how weak and and pathetic we all are uh versus what yeah it was incredible yeah and then profit first and who not how two honorable mentions as well so great books those two as well and then podcasts like i think you're onto this one as well which is like a high performance podcast that that one's really cool i I love that um anything by layla hormozy she's a weapon and then you know uh, diary of the ceo as well which is uh, a bit of fun by stephen bartlett yeah awesome yeah and it's so right right like it it lifts you up it allows you to see what's possible and you think if someone else can do it then i can do it and i think that that's critical what you're putting in your mind so is there any do you have any non-negotiables yeah so yeah 100 percent. like exercise every day like have to so like beginning at uh, middle of last year i finished 75 hard i was between an ultra swim and whatever i was doing so i wasn't really training much and uh stopped exercising and you just fall off completely man like you can't show up as the best version of you if you're not feeling good or in shape but you can't fall from an empty cup right if you can't show up for your team how are they going to show up like you're not setting the standard they're not going to show up for theirs so non-negotiable for me is like daily exercise and i actually got i was a little embarrassed by this uh, initially because my daily like my daily runs were sometimes real short they wouldn't even classify as a run it was like two kilometers you know you know, pop up on strava and people are like hey cool run bro well <laughs> yeah but honestly like i needed that it like sets me up for the day and at least i get a sweat on it will be a very small one but at least then it it anchors me and it gets me going. So I think that's been massive for me personally. And then the second one that's a big non-negotiable in my week is uh, Sunday afternoons from about three o'clock on. Almost every Sunday since COVID, since we've come out of COVID, it's either been a date time with me and my wife, Sam, or it's been a period where we've had guests over to our place and we've cooked dinner together and we've played board games or done something together. It's phones free. It's good food it's alcohol free and uh it's a great way to sort of anchor the week and get ready for the next and uh that's been awesome we've uh it's gone through a couple of iterations from games night to sunday sandwich club and uh it's good fun it's great i love it and how do you deal with setbacks so we all have them some of us you know you can get down in the funk and think shit things aren't going how i thought they would like what's your process to evaluate reflect and adapt and overcome yeah well it depends on the size of the setback right there's often we're going to go through like seven stages of grief you know we're going to be like you know want to go into combative mode and stuff or firefighting mode but often you know like you'll agree with this best thing to do is to normally like take a step back chill out i find it for me i've got a great playlist here it's called you are what you eat based exactly what we've just been talking about i like to whack that pog that playlist on I often go to the gym or something and then I'll come back and try and recalibrate sort of things. You know, momentum is a superpower for 
business owners like us. You know, you want to be in momentum as much as you can and you want to be in a position where you can problem solve and move fast. And I like to do the Alex Hormozy thing where you fast forward five years and think, does this matter at all? Normally it doesn't at all. Uh, and then come back and go like, cool, well, how can we solve this after you've actually taken two steps back and uh, seen the forest from the trees and the problem for, for what it actually is. So music, movement, and uh, having a few minutes of, of thinking time, clarity. Yeah, I think that it's really important to sit quietly, reflect, and think, you know, where's this going to skew with? Who do I need to be to make this happen? What do I need to do differently? And then as long as you get into action straight away, you have that first initial step, even if it's just a micro-commitment, then you're on the path to success. And the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. It's about reframing, just really quickly, about reframing problems. It's not that it's a problem. It's that you get to solve this opportunity, right? Something like, literally, you rewind five years, 10 years ago, and you you dreamt of being in this situation. You know, you wanted to be leading a company. You wanted to be doing X or doing Y. Like, and now here you are. And this is the reality of that situation. And you get to solve it. And you get to own the problem. You get to own the solution usually. And I think that mindset is really strong versus like not playing the victim, but being like, damn, conditions are hard. It's like, no shit. There's business conditions. Get on with it. Like if it was really easy, everyone would be doing it. And this like Russ lost his, uh, from Licensed Renovations, one of our coaches lost his uh, foreman a wee while ago. And he's like, well, I can either sit here and piss and moan about it or I can reframe it in my mind and think, great. Now I get to promote one of my guys internally, put in place the right rules of the game, culture on site, productivity on site, and raise the bar for everyone else to step. Which brings me to business cliche number 847. Profit is prince, cash flow is king, and momentum is so what do you do in your downtime sir to relax recharge rejuvenate yeah big traveler so me and sam my wife we do a lot of travel around asia so you know like parts of thailand vietnam cambodia just booked in to do the uh, half marathon around Angkor wat this year which is really cool so you can go and see Angkor wat or you can go and do the half marathon around Angkor wat and whether you run hard is up to you but at least then you of course avoid, you will but you, at least then you avoid yeah i'm pretty competitive unfortunately but at least then you avoid the crowds and you get to see it yourself so we do lots of travel we try and try tie that travel around like fun activities we did um the 70.3 ironman last year also done a couple of ultra swims in montenegro and the Kator peninsula just south of dubrovnik which is stunning it helps you get to see the world see cool places hang out with cool people and uh yeah so it's movies, it's exercise, it's travel, it's golf. We will be playing some golf at our upcoming uh, workshop summit in uh, the Gold Coast. So that should be a good sort of uh, chance to test me out against some of our members. Yeah, I've been putting in the reps uh, at the velocity driving range so d- uh, just on the down low. Yeah, it's important. Can't be, uh, we can't be turning up and being shown up by too many of the members. Although... I do hope that some members can outdrive us because we've got a pretty cool prize for the longest drive. Yeah, absolutely. So Sofitel, May 30th, 31st, can't wait. It's going to be epic. Gold Coast, watch out. Um, so I guess uh, this is where we get some some quick fire, rapid questions. All right, what's your favorite movie? Interstellar or Rocky IV? The one where he fights Drago and Christmas Day. Good, that's good. What do you watch normally in your... 
backpack or your bag? In my laptop, it would be some headphones and it would be, well, to be fair, I carry around my um, my vision book all the time as well, which is important to me because uh, I always keep that front and center of my personal goals, uh, couple goals with my wife and business goals. Like. So that would be in there. Vision book, tell me more. Yep. So same as life by design, not by default. Yep. Real clear around goals for myself, for the business, because it's a huge point of leverage, and for me and my partner and our family and what we actually want to achieve. So those range from doing cool activities like an Ironman and ultrasound right through to earning so that we can live the life that we want and how much money we want to make through to uh, investments and uh, milestones for our family, like buying property and things like that. And if you do it and put it away, you forget about it. But if you have it there, then you keep it. So I keep mine pretty much with my laptop and with my book every day. And um, I've always got it close by so I can check it out awesome i printed ours out we've got a template that all our members get access to we can make available to the public and i have mine printed out over nine pages the key aspects like like marriage physique friends toys money business and social and i have it printed out in our ensuite and i can see it every morning when i go and have a shower and then come back out sunday what are you doing to set yourself up for success for the week what are three things you do on a sunday so that you hit the ground running on Monday. Yep. So uh, like I already said, kind of got like a games night forward slash Sunday sandwich club happens every Sunday. We've been doing it since COVID. And then just before that kicks off at three o'clock every week, either privately with me and the wife or publicly with some friends around at our place, I plan tomorrow today. Well, that's the phrase I use at least, plan tomorrow today. And that is where I always basically map out the week ahead, commitments I've got, meetings I've got secured, and then tasks I need to get done. And then I work out whether I need to schedule, delegate, or dump this task, schedule it into a time of day that's best optimized for me, delegate it. We've got an epic team. And uh, just like everybody listening to this who's a business owner, big point of leverage is your people. They make sure that they know how to help you and support you. So give them really clear instructions of what you can delegate. And then lastly, dump. You're like, so many times we get caught in the status quo just doing shit because we're just conditioned to do it you know versus like i don't want to do that anymore like i've i've grown up i've grown out of that i don't need to you know like you just think that it's on your to-do list and you should be doing it and it's in how somehow found its way into your calendar but it's like i ain't doing that like no i'm just not doing that you know damn straight lebron kobe or jordan oh bro you know me it's lebron oh dear you know (laughs) how many championships has he won again he's won enough oh and it's not, the, it's not just the championships. It's a full person. It's the full person. How does oh, yes, somebody go yes. 20 odd years playing at that standard? No blemishes next to their name. None of this like, you know, know. adultery or, you know, bad teammates having something nice to say about them. Like what a stand-up guy and every sense of it. Yes, absolutely. All right. And uh, we are getting ready to land this plane. What are any other golden nuggets or tips that really stand out to you over the last nine or 10 years, I guess, on the people who succeed in business and what do they do differently to other people who go okay? Good question. So I'll have, like, I'll have worked with, I haven't done the math, but it'd be over a thousand members at this point. And without looking at all the data, I would argue that the members that are most successful are in like the mastery game. Like they're not here for 
to get one thing or to get two things or to be with us for six, 12 or 18 months. They're just plodding along consistently every single week towards their idea of mastery. And typically mastery is does not look very balanced either. It looks like a busy season and then, you know, maybe a chill season and then a busy one again, but there's always progress. They're not going in cycles and they're making consistent, deliberate efforts against their goals all the time. Like, you know, I could list off 10 or 15 of our members that are like this, you know, like Brad and Dan, Richard Fiskey, Brendan, you know, a bunch of them that are just consistent, deliberate action takers that are working towards their idea of mastery and aren't particularly influenced by peaks and troughs. They're just, they're after it. And it's fucking cool to see. Nathan from Phoenix, Leon in Melbourne, like they just put the work in. They do the reps. Yeah, bro. I need to do that. Move forward and get the wins. Yep. Dude, it has been a absolute pleasure getting to know you more and uh, it's a joy being on this journey with you. And uh, thanks very much for sharing insights into your background, business, and uh, looking forward yeah. to the year ahead. So good. Been a pleasure. I might as well just tell the one story around uh, how I even got into this. So I was playing water polo overseas uh, in the off season and in this times between seasons, I'd get a laboring job on site. And uh, this went on for a couple of years. Brett Colleycutt, I played water polo with Braden great guy and uh he'd have us on i don't i could i wouldn't even be able to tell you what i was paid but it was not a lot it was probably in crates of beer honestly back then and uh i remember really enjoying the work really enjoying the atmosphere really enjoying the people the whole industry like you know when the materials were delivered when we would have smoker when we would uh have some fun i remember getting my hammer de weed <laughs> i was a fool uh they go oh and have you had your hammer de weed i go no. And I go, I'll give it here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a bit of a knob, but uh, that was fun. Uh, so I love the industry, but I wasn't particularly good at it. But I did enjoy the curiosity part of it, learning why we were pricing stuff, why we were doing this, doing that. And uh, then when these opportunities came up to work with, and now over a thousand members, in the eye of the storm and get to see hundreds of the things that don't work and a few of the things that do work, be able to help members put that in place in their businesses to have a huge impact on themselves, their businesses, their teams, their families, and all that. Super rewarding. So, you know, here's to many more years of helping builders crush it. And here's to, uh, you know, taking things to the next level for, for our, all of our members, I say. Absolutely. Pleasure working with you, bro. And let's continue to put out great trainings, lead the industry, and help members crush it. All right, my man. Have an awesome night, Cheers, Cheers, brother. Bye.